Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. Um, so good to see you all in church today. It's a privilege to have with us uh, Helen Meyer uh, this morning. Uh, Helen, uh, for those that don't know her, she's uh, married to Alan Meyer, which we've had here on a number of occasions. Uh, Helen, together with her husband Alan, were the pastors of Careforce Church uh, in Melbourne for many years. Uh, and while they were there and have continued to develop um, a range of Life Keys programs, some of which we've done here at church that release healing, uh, discipleship and evangelism. Uh, and these programs have been extremely successful, not only here in Australia, but also in the nations of the world. Um, Helen Meyer is a clinical counsellor. She's also a trained uh, primary and high school teacher and has a master's in sexual health as well. Uh, she speaks in a variety of settings, not only here in Australia, but also uh, together with her husband all over the world. And she has um, a passion uh, to see people restored and become who God has called them uh, to be, to be restored from all the brokenness in their lives. And just that there's a special grace on, on her, on, on them together as a couple and certainly uh, as a church and the programs that they have. I know that God is going to speak to us today. So I just want to encourage you to open your hearts and allow God to speak to you. We just give her a big, big warm welcome as she comes to minister the word this morning. Thank you, Pastor Joe. It's lovely to be with you. I love this church. We've known your pastors for decades and it's like another family for us to come home here to speak to you. So Alan Sandy's love to you all this morning. And uh, you'll just have to excuse my voice a bit. Uh, we were doing a uh, Zoom marriage course for a whole stack of people around Australia. And Alan had a cold last week and we were sitting that close to each other doing role plays and things on conflict and how you manage communication. And I thought, this is not going to go well. <laughs> and so I caught his cold, not COVID. But my little voice is actually still a little bit struggling. But that's okay. So thank you for having me here this morning. Love being with you. And I just wonder, has this ever happened to you? It's 3am. You're wide awake, your heart and your mind are racing. You're worried about your job, the kids, your ageing parents, your finances, unpaid bills, the argument over your daughter's boyfriend, your health, your sex life. I think we can all relate. And then there's bigger issues like global warming, economic uncertainty, the threat of terrorism, the current pandemic, what next? We live in an age of uncertainty and there's vague feelings of anxiety and worry that kind of feel like they're in the atmosphere. But how do we worry? Well, there was a group at the University of Wisconsin in the US who did some research on the kinds of things that we worry about. And they found that the average person's worry is divided into four categories. They found that, number one, 40% of our worries are about things that never happened. And the author, Mark Twain said this, he said, I'm an old man, I've had many troubles, most of which never happened. Then they found that 30% of our worries are about things from the past that can't be changed. And then 22% of our worries are needless and unnecessary. There's a well-known American uh, bishop of the last century, 
His name was William Quayle and he wrote that he was a person who was often awake at night because of fruitless worrying. And one night he heard the Lord say to him, Quayle, you go to bed. I'll sit up the rest of the night. So the question is, what percentage of our worries and concerns are legitimate? What are the things we should have a reasonable concern about? Well, one estimate is about 8% of the things we're worried and concerned about. That means that 92% of the time I'm worrying needlessly. I'm stressing myself. I'm wasting my energy. I'm robbing my heart of joy. Well, sometimes we need to laugh at ourselves. And I found this little poem. It made me smile anyway. The worried cow would have lived till now if she had saved her breath. But she feared her hay wouldn't last all day. And she mooed herself to death. (laughs) Bit of a dad joke, but anyway. There are some fears and concerns that are part of a child's normal developmental phases as they learn about the world. And these are things like, and of course not all kids develop at the same stage, but newborns, they fear falling, they fear loud noises. Ever slammed a door? Wah! And then the fear of strangers can happen as early as six months old to about the ages of two and three and as part of the bonding experience as kids explore who's safe in their world. Then you have preschool children who can fear being separated from their parents. They might be afraid of large animals. Well, wouldn't you be if a dog's this big and you're that big? I think pretty sensible. Afraid of dark places, masks and clowns and imaginary creatures. Mum, is there something under my bed? Older children may worry about death, the family, failing at school and events in the news such as wars or kidnapping, etc. And then adolescents, they've got their own bunch of issues. Uncertainty around sexual and social issues and their concerns about the world's future. But these anxieties only become an issue if they persist and they cause serious distress, if they affect family life and interfere with a child's mental health and education. But we do know that anxiety and worry affects our sense of well-being. And I'm so glad we've got a Bible because it actually tells us how we can manage some of these things. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, it says this, Anxiety in a person's heart weighs him down. Corrie ten Boom was a lady from World War II and when she was young, she was interred in a concentration camp with her father and her sister for hiding Jewish people in their homes. But she said this, and I think if anyone can speak about the reality of worry and concern and anxiety, it's her, but she said this. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And I had to learn that in my own life. So I'm kind of preaching to myself as well this morning because this is not just theory to me. This is something I've had to live through. Um, I grew up in a family where my mother died when I was eight and um, my father struggled with alcoholism as a result of all that. And it really set me up to become an adult who experienced anxiety and stress. You know, everyone copes with these things really differently. It's partly it's our wiring, part of it's what you see modelled in the family you grew up in, and part of it's the coping mechanisms that we develop as children. But the problem is, without healing, we bring all these things into our adult world. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says this, Jesus said, Do not worry about your life. 
But we have to learn how to do that. I mean, my tendency was I was a bit like um, the ever-ready bunny. You know, if I was worried or stressed, I'd just add more things to my life. I'd just do more because I was kind of burying it. But you can only do that for so long. <laughs> it's kind of a bit like when the red light comes on on your dashboard. You think, well, that's a nuisance. It's in my eyes. You cover it up and ignore it. But, you know, sooner or later, something's going to happen to that car, isn't it? And your body's a bit like that. And for me, my body started protesting. I mean, my kids were young at the age, that age. I was very busy. But I started getting dizzy. I started getting pains in my arms. I started feeling really ill. And I ended up being rushed by ambulance to hospital one night. Hmm. They discovered I had a prolapsed mitral valve. And so I went and had all these tests. And then Alan got all the elders around after that to pray for me. And then I went back and told my specialist, who was a heart transplant surgeon as well, it was a bit ominous, but he was a Christian man. And I said, look, I've had prayer. Um, can we do some more tests? So he, he gave me some more tests. And it came back. He said, Helen, there's nothing wrong with you. God had healed me from that pro. Yeah, it's worth it. Worth some applause. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful that we've got a wonderful God. But you know, the Lord actually spoke to me after that and he said, You're healed as long as you address the root causes. And that became part of the journey of me addressing my lifestyle, my tendency to live with high levels of adrenaline and overworking and bearing what needs be healed. Um, you know, for all of us, we can really get stuck. We can get stuck living a life that's captured by fear and anxiety. And, you know, we've got that enemy of our soul. I love Pastor Joe. He's praying. He's very aware of, you know, we need to be aware there's a spiritual world out there. There's an enemy that's after us, that he wants to get on board of all the issues that we struggle with, and he wants to augment them, make them bigger than they are. He wants to enlarge them and make us feel like we can't overcome these things. But it's not true. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the thing is, if we avoid um, a challenge because we're fearful of it, we never get to discover what might have happened if we'd faced it. We lose an opportunity to step into the things that the Lord has for us. And how many times had I done that? How many times had I not stepped into what God wanted me to do? I remember when Alan and I started pastoring this church and uh, I was so terrified to stand up in front of a bunch of ladies and speak to them. Who would believe? Hmm. Well, the thing is we rob ourselves. Maybe for you it's been a relationship you've really struggled with. Maybe someone that you just had some issues or you don't like them very much, whatever it is. And you're afraid of speaking to them. Um, you're afraid of bumping into them anywhere. And you're down at the supermarket and you see them in the aisle of the supermarket. So, oh, I'll avoid that and go in that aisle. You don't even go where they are. And then you know that they're at that supermarket. That's where they love to go. So you go, okay, I'm not going there because I might bump into them. I don't know what to say. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be horrible. I don't even like them. I'm going to Aldi. And you know where they like to shop generally. So you go to a different shopping centre. Goodness me. But whatever we avoid... 
whether it's a situation or a person, whether it, when it's out of fear, when it's anxiety. You know, we might feel better off for a moment and we do, don't we? We feel, oh, missed that, didn't, didn't bump into them or didn't have that moment. But it, we're left feeling discouraged and powerless. Maybe your leaders have been asking you to run a life group. Who? Me? I could never run a life group. Don't be ridiculous. But you don't connect the fact that these moments where you keep avoiding an opportunity to face a challenge are actually eating into your confidence and they're leaving you feel disempowered. And, you know, when we avoid those things, we don't grow. And we live with things like what is, what if, what if I'd spoken to that person? What if, what if I had? What if I actually do step up and take a life group? What if, now I'm not going to step into that because I'm afraid, I'm worried. And you know what we're doing? We're actually building our own prison walls around us. They look like steel bars. One thing, one situation after another, we're building these steel bars around ourselves that are locking us in because we're avoiding facing challenges, we're avoiding dealing with our fears and we're avoiding stepping into the opportunities that God himself presents us with. But you know, the reality of these steel-looking bars are it is actually tissue paper. They're not made of steel. They look like steel to you, but they're not steel. They're tissue paper. And you know you can actually get out of this prison by stepping through these tissue paper bars that we build around ourselves. Just take a step. I love this example of Peter in prison, and it's in Acts chapter 12 and verses 6 to 9. Again, so glad I got a Bible to read about these things. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound by two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, quick. And the chains fell off his wrists. The angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. See, Peter had to do something. Peter had to take a step. And he also had to trust because verse 9 says this. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing. We have to take these steps out of these prison bars that are made of tissue paper. We have to not allow our fears and our anxieties to keep us locked up any longer. And I'm so grateful for the example of others and also, again, for the wisdom of the Bible. Let's hear what Psalm 16 says. In verses 5 to 9 it says, The Lord is my chosen and assigned portion, my cup. You hold and maintain my life. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Yes, my heart instructs me in the night seasons. I've set the Lord continually before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my inner self rejoices. My body too shall rest and confidently dwell in safety. 
See, God has given us a blueprint for a life filled with faith and hope and health. And the first thing we need to do about this is we need to acknowledge who God is and what he's promised us. Listen to that word of encouragement again in verses 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen and assigned portion, my cup. You hold and maintain my life. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. You know, we have to trust his character. We have to trust his goodness. And remember, the second thing to remember is that 92% of our worries are unfounded. We give them teeth. We build the bars around ourselves. We've elevated them to rule our lives. You know, we really need to challenge our thinking, not saying it'll always or it'll never or I'm hopeless. You know, is it a habit from your family background? I know in my family, because my mother died, I was very close to my grandmother and I loved her to bits. But she was such a worrier. I think I got mentored in how to worry. And so I've had to deal with that. And then we also need to challenge some of our false beliefs like, and I bet you don't even realise you think this, if I don't worry, something terrible will happen. If I don't worry, something terrible will happen. Well, I had a really good example of that in our lives when our boys were, we've got three boys and a girl, when our boys were in their 20s and we used to have family night at our home every Tuesday night, all the kids would come around with their partners if they had one and any grandkids if there were any and it would be absolute chaos and we loved it. It was good. And then, but during the evening I just heard the boys planning they were going to go to the beach. We didn't take much notice of that. You know, they often went out and did things together. But the next day Alan and I were driving somewhere and I just had this urge. I didn't have an angel speak in my ear or hear bells or anything. I just had this urge to pray for them. I said to Alan, look, can we just pray for the boys? So we prayed for them. We prayed for them, prayed for their safety, prayed for their day at the beach. And this is the story that came back. They went to a beach in Victoria, a big wide beach called Gunamutta Beach. And it is probably a very dangerous beach. They went there on a pretty sort of stormy day and uh, there was hardly any, there was anybody. They'd said there was nobody there. And so the oldest boy, Matt, he decides to go swimming and it wasn't long before he actually got caught in a rip and uh, he was really struggling. So my second son, Luke, decided he could see what was happening with Matt and he decided I'll go and rescue him. So he, drive, he paddles out, not drive, paddled out and uh, tries to help Matt, couldn't help Matt soon. He was in trouble himself. And pretty soon the two of them were in diabolicals. All of a sudden, I remember the, the boys came back and they said, all of a sudden this guy appeared out of nowhere because it was an empty beach. He had a surfboard. He grabbed Matt, stuck him on the surfboard. And Matt said to us later, he said, we were, I was going down for the last time, Mum. And he threw um, Luke a pair of those things, flappers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, those. And he put them on his feet. Off he went. And so the two... He, brought them out to the beach and they turned around and he disappeared. Not going to say, I think that was supernatural. Something happened. It was, how could you explain that, that someone just disappears? And our other son, Sam, he's the youngest. He was lying on the beach, totally oblivious to this whole process. <laughs> That's my boys. So, but you know, it wouldn't have mattered how much I had worried about that. I couldn't. I didn't know. 
And this is the thing about that belief that we have. If I don't worry about something terrible, some, if I don't worry, something terrible will happen. Well, was I worrying about that day? No, I just had this little nudge and I didn't even really know it was God. I just had this urge to pray. And I'm thankful that we have a Holy Spirit. We have a God who cares for us. Just as that verse was saying, he's my chosen and assigned portion. You hold and maintain my life. That is so, such a blessing. And then verses 7 and 8, it says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. When we don't want to listen during the day, you can still get us when we're asleep. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. We couldn't have foreseen that situation. Thank you, God. We need to train our minds. We need to bring every thought captive to Christ. How often have you heard that verse and yet gone, oh, yeah, and wandered off in our own thoughts? But remember, we have that enemy. He wants to keep you in that tissue paper prison. We have to challenge our negative thinking. And one of the things I found, and you might find really helpful, was every time I had one of those worrying thoughts or a negative thought, I would turn it into a prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you're guiding and leading me. Thank you, God, that you'll give me the steps to take. Thank you, God, if I'm asked to be a life group leader, you'll show me how. There'll be people that come along and help. And I'd, every time I did that, I turned it into a prayer and it's doing two things. First, the enemy hates it and he'll leave you alone eventually. Second, you're rewiring your brain from those negative thoughts that happen. The third thing we need to do is challenge our tendency to be self-critical. Aren't we our own worst enemies? You know, we white-hand ourselves from the inside out. We tolerate the contradictions that we say to, our each, to ourselves and our double-mindedness can't make up our mind. The very thing we want to see in our lives, we're self-sabotaging. You can't do it. It'll never work out. If you try, you'll fail. They'll have an accident if I don't worry. But verse 9 says this, and let this touch you in your heart. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. See, rejoicing and praising, it changes our heart perspective and it has a physiological effect on us as well. Worry drains us of our energy, but trust in the Lord restores and energises my body will rest secure. How often do you find yourself awake at night worrying about things, going through your mind, worrying about the things I mentioned at the beginning, your family, your finances, your sex life, whatever it is. And yet if we will turn those things into prayer moments when the enemy attacks us, we can find ourselves in victory. We can find ourselves pressing through and stepping through those tissue paper walls. We can do it. We're able to do it. And your body will rest secure. It'll thank you. Whether it's finances, whether it's a fear of failure, whether it's worry about a child, we need to trust God's miracle working power, whatever it is. We have to trust his faithfulness. We have to trust him. We have to trust him. We have to trust him. Oh, God, you're so good. You love every single one of these people here. They're valuable to you. 
They're valuable. You died for every single one of them. Father, I pray, bless them, touch them. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. They're safe. When Al and I were in Europe recently, we found this abbey with this great big tower and it was said that the um, priests used to run to this thing when the enemy was going to attack. It didn't have any doors and they had to climb up on a rope and they'd get into it but they couldn't be got at. And that's what a strong tower is. It's something we can't be got at. These are not just words in this Bible. These are images, the truths that God wants us to really take hold of this morning. Really hold fast in your heart. No matter what you've been through in your life, you don't have to stay there. You do not have to stay in that prison. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. And Proverbs 3, 21, 24 says this, Preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. That's the Bible. That's the words of wisdom. That's the truth of everything God says about you and the things that he wants yet to accomplish in your life. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, God is not finished. For those who are younger, you've got a destiny before you. Don't stay inside that prison. For those of you who are older, God values wisdom. God values the walk you've walked. God values you in this period of your life. He's not finished. And I encourage you to step out of that prison. It says, don't let these words, of these um, sound judgment and discernment, don't let them out of your sight. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. See, there's a confirmation, that thing that says, my body will rest secure. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Another peace and portion for yourselves. And I just want to take a moment as we reflect. I just feel the Holy Spirit here right now. And I feel there's a, a reflective moment here. Not just a loud moment, but a reflective moment. Just a reflective moment. I just feel the Holy Spirit just very gentle around you and that and in you. And that He's not shouting at you, get out of that prison. He's calling you, come out. He's calling you step out. He's calling you to trust him. He's calling you because his character can sustain whatever it is, the challenge that you might be facing. You can rest in him and rest assured. And Psalm 16 and verse 11 says, You've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And in this moment of reflection, I'd love the band to come and we're going to sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And as we do that, we've built in some moments for us to be able to do that, for us to be able to take a reflective moment and open our hearts to the Lord and say, God, help me. Lord, help me with the worry about whatever it is you're worried about. Help me with the challenge that I'm facing. 
help me with the call on my life that I've been pushing away or pushing aside or very reluctant to step into. And we're going to see God move in your lives this morning. I believe that I'm here, the Holy Spirit is here, that bringing you to this place, yes, this world we're living in is full of uncertainty. It's full of concern. But you know we do have that rock, that strong tower. We have the Lord who says, don't worry what's happening around you. Come out of that prison. Step up to whatever I've called you to. And I'm going to bring some renewed strength to you. And I'm believing while we sing this that some chains are going to fall off some people. So can I encourage you just to stand? And let's just sing this. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And then we'll pray. Father, I thank you so much for this truth. I thank you, Lord, that you're with us. I'm no longer a slave to fear. And Father, I pray over this congregation right now. There are those of you here who know that even coming out the front and getting prayer is like you stepping through those bars. Not all of you, but some of you. There'll be those amongst you who really want to take a step and come out here. There's a prayer team. They're going to pray for you. And that's your step to say, I'm stepping out of this tissue paper prison. And I call you now to come forward and we'll have people praying for you and trusting God. But over the whole congregation also, I'd like to pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for these people who put time aside to be here today. They put you first. And Lord, even in this moment, God, I believe you're bringing some healing to hearts. God, I see hearts here that have been broken by circumstances. Lord, they've been broken. And in the midst of that, there's been a belief that nothing good will come my way. This is my lot. And I want to speak into that lie of the enemy to say, no, that's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. He has you. He has you. He has you in the palm of his hand. He will lead you beside still waters. He will restore your soul. He will lead you into paths of righteousness. For those of you who've had that experience, Father, I speak healing over you. Those of you who've come from generations of trauma, where there's been fear passed down through the generations. Lord, I pray for the breaking of those chains also, Father. This is the day to come out of those prison walls. This is the day I'm a new creation. This is today, today to say my Father is my God and my Lord, and He has my best interest at heart, and I will step into my destiny. I will take hold of the call on my life. I will embrace everything God has for me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's just sing again. Thanks, God. Thank you, Father.